You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, crossing the Rubicon. Maeve Murrum, welcome to the Joe Dalton Show at Dublin South FM. How are you? I'm great, Joe. Thanks very much for having me on. I'm doing very well. Thank you. We have been speaking for a while and I know that Health Freedom Ireland, you're the chair of Health Freedom Ireland, have been doing fantastic work behind the scenes or on the fringe, reaching many people that are around the country who I would have to say are very concerned, very worried or feel alone with what's going on in the world, and especially around lockdown, masks in schools. And then we have with the, the vaccines as well. And a lot of people out there, you hear the word vaccine, they will go, oh, anti-vaxxers. And, and that's wrong because a lot of people who believe in vaccines and who have received lots of different vaccines through the years are just a little bit cautious with what's being offered at the moment to do with COVID. Gut feeling, a lot of people are just questioning and a lot of doctors around the world are speaking out about it as well. And here at home, there's a lot of doctors, there's a lot of nurses, a lot of people working in the health service are questioning what's going on. So all we can do is our little bit to find and maybe find some answers or some truth out there. And before we continue, Maeve, there's one thing that we we did a little research here at the station and we found there just roughly in May. And if you go online, you can find it that, you know, in Europe alone, there has been over 10,000, just under 11,000 deaths in Europe alone regarding with the vaccine and then not resolved or not recovered injuries is probably close to a quarter of a million. And that's an awful lot, especially and the biggest form that we're having is we're finding out is blood clots. The airlines mentioned this week that they want people to be very cautious who are flying because of legal reasons, because of blood clots or thrombosis can can be one of the major issues if someone is flying. So Maeve, one of the reasons why I asked you on, you have a aunt in a nursing home and you during lockdown wanted a visitor. And I know that you were very stressed about it, like lots of people who have family members in nursing homes. You know, I've asked you on to tell me your story. So lockdown, your aunt was in, in a nursing home. You couldn't visit her. So let's start there. Okay, Joe. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit of a protracted story, but um, obviously after the initial pandemic and all the anxiety and the stress, um, obviously we were all in fear. But as the months progressed, um, and by the way, my aunt did contract COVID-19 in, I think it was around March or April. But um, I contacted the home and said, look, you know, I'd like her to get high dose vitamin C, D and zinc. And I actually supplied that for them. And um, they're actually I will preface all of this by saying it's an exceptionally good home. The care is good and she has been quite happy there, but she's had a very full and good social life, I think, with a loving family. While she's the security of being there at night, we would take her out maybe up to eight times a week, Joe. Uh, for lunches, take her out to our homes. So, of course, that all went pear-shaped with COVID-19. And this very social, outgoing little woman who's now 90 years of age was suddenly descended into complete isolation and being locked down and quarantined away from everyone she loved, trusted, and um, who filled her life, I think, socially. So it was extremely difficult. Um, Obviously, with all the panic that was going on, 
we became very much aware of the deaths in the nursing homes. So, you know, you build this anxiety levels that are through the roof and you're trying to get information. And I was aware how stressed the staff were and how they were trying to cope with everything. And there was just so much information flying backwards and forwards. And it was almost impossible to get any real uh, what would I say, update on a day-to-day basis of what was actually going on because they were firefighting. Um, and that kind of proceeded oh, for a long, long time. As we came through the year of 2020 then um, and things started to settle down, more and more, I suppose, we looked for access to visiting her because we were aware, even through phone calls, she has a small little mobile and it's it's not great with elderly people because they're not comfortable with using mobiles. So you were either ringing the staff in the nursing home to bring a phone down to her and they were terribly stressed and that wasn't really feasible. So the only other thing was, I, I can't even remember the full sequence of it, but we had times when the lockdown eased and you were maybe allowed very minimal visitation rights, but... Um, it was very difficult. I have to say it was incredibly challenging to um, just not have access to see her and, and even less access to know what was exactly going on in the homes. So, you know, for me, that was the start of it. Um, and, and I could see and hear in her that she was stressed and feeling very lonely and very isolated and cut off from family and everyone she loved. It must have been very frightening for her. I say it is, you know, at the very beginning of this, we were all terrified because we were seeing these reports which were coming out that, you know, the the population was going to be wiped out and, you know, we all kind of rallied behind each other. But in the very beginning, and I keep saying it, the data never lies, the data never lies and the data then was coming out. And that's when I started to really sort of be curious and wake up probably mid to the end of towards last year because the data wasn't matching up to what uh, what was being told. So, you know, let's let's jump to say December, say this year coming into to January, um, and when the vaccine was coming in and, and what was going on there, you know, what was the trigger that made you do some investigation? Uh, well, I suppose in my own case, in relation personally to my aunt, um I'm chair of Health Region Ireland, and obviously we're very aware of the fact that vaccine injury is possible. Um, this was an accelerated to market vaccine. It was under emergency use authorization, uh, still in clinical trial phase, all of them. So we had no real understanding of the long term insidious effects they would have on anybody, let alone a 90 year old who, in the year that in 2020, had taken a couple of falls, had had problems with uh, fractured hips and eventually broke her hip. There was a lot of serious underlying things that had gone on in the year that I was very concerned about. Um, And I suppose what upset me most was when I actually uh, got the phone call from the nursing home to say that they wanted her to sign papers to have the vaccine, I raised some serious concerns. I said, you know, I'm not really sure about this. And um, she's had COVID. She survived it with you know, medication, not medication, but with vitamins and supplements, and she seemed to be doing quite well. But the actual level of coercion, Joe, and I would actually use the word bullying over the phone um, and the sense of being pushed to the limit to get this for her. I mean, there was even an implication that I had actually no say, that because um, she was not a relative and I didn't have wardship over her, they could clinically assess her and decide to give her the vaccine without consent from the family. And that really shocked me and upset me. Um, And I had to really argue very hard to say, well, you know, she's not completely gaga. 
um, she's entitled to make a choice for herself. And eventually the agreement was that I would get in and talk to her. But you had this overwhelming sense of disapproval and, you know, that you were being irresponsible, that you were threatening her well-being. Um, it was all very intimidatory. And, and I have to say it was very heated and very conflictual. And, and I found that really quite shocking that within a democratic society where you're dealing with something that's under trial and um, hasn't been proven to be safe because it's not long enough out there and being given to an old woman of 90 with underlying conditions, that there should be debate. There should be a forum for discussion for you to air your concerns. And you shouldn't actually be lambasted for that. Um, so anyway, the agreement eventually was that I was allowed to go in and see her. Now, I wasn't even sure if they'd allow me in on my own to see her because I thought maybe they'd be there in the sense they thought I was actually coercive with her around not taking it. But uh, ironically, I went to see her and um, she was sitting behind a glass screen and it was masks and aprons and um, it was daunting to say the least. And I just said to her, I am very concerned about this. I'm not sure that it's right for you at 90 years of age. It's still in clinical trial. And she said to me, you've looked after me for years. You've been so good to me. You've always looked out for my well-being. And she said, I trust you. And she said, to be honest, I don't want any injections. I'm not going to sign any papers. So I said to her, I don't want you to think I'm pressurizing you and I don't want you to think I'm putting your life at risk, but I honestly feel we should wait. We should just wait and see how this thing pans out. So that was really where we left it. Um, she made the decision ultimately, Joe, um, and while people might argue, oh, you know, I had some influence over, I genuinely came from a place of absolute concern. And because of my background of vaccines, I'm aware the one size doesn't fit all. And she's had reactions before to medication. And in our family, there are quite a few of us who've had reactions. It seems to be within our DNA. So I really just wanted some time to wait. But that just seemed to be anathema to the home. And there was just this huge sense of coercion and bullying and, and being pushed to do something you didn't feel comfortable. Uh, almost like having no choice, Joe, which I really found reprehensible. That's that's the thing that upset me most. So know that sometimes when you can meet authority uh, within nursing homes and they sort of, we know best, you know, even though you have that relationship and there, there has to be that, you know, you have to understand that people's having an emotional attachment to their family and someone coming in and telling them they know best. And that in itself can be very hurtful and very worrying for many families across that are experienced the same thing. When your um, aunt said, no, look, I'm not taking this. I want to, you know, I want to hold off. When was it that you looked at nursing home, the nursing home and noticed there was a spike in the deaths? And yeah, when did well, you kind of go, let me look into this more? Where did yeah, the penny drop? I think the conversation I'd had with the clinical nurse manager there, I had said to her, you know, I've done a lot of research into this. And she'd argued that it gave 95% um, immunity. And I said, I'm not sure where you're getting that information from. Um, I said, you know, it gives a 50% reduction in symptoms. And we had been approached by this wonderful person who had done some of the research. So I was very aware that, you know, there was something there that we were concerned about that was going on. Um, but just to get the sequence of events, after the conversation with this nurse, um, they obviously went ahead and they vaccinated um, a huge amount of people in that particular home. Um, and within a week, I had had a call to say that my aunt was to be moved out of her room because there was 19 sick patients in the hospital and five staff. And it just made no sense because before that, there had been no spikes. There had been nobody sick for a long, long time. The whole sickness rate had plateaued. 
And my question was, well, all of a sudden you get this vaccine rolled out and within a few days of my phone call and a very heated debate, they're now ringing me to say my aunt needs to be quarantined because there's 19 sick people in the home. So it really triggered a response. And I really decided that was the time we in Health Freedom Ireland had to start looking at what was going on here. Okay. Um, so it escalated then and um, we began to look at all the homes, the rollout dates. Uh, obviously, in some cases, there was two schedules. There was the first shot and then there was the second shot. Um, and so it continued, you know, you're, you're kind of holding a space of suspense, Joe. You really don't know what to think or believe because this is all happening in real time around you. So, you know, you're also saying to yourself, you're up against a very huge a machine that's very well oiled and working and, and everybody in it seems to believe and you're just one voice expressing sort of a disdain, disdain and, and worry and concern and, and you feel very isolated and very alone but luckily I had within our group quite a number of people who agreed with me and so we started to look really clearly and you know very definitively into the numbers now, obviously, this didn't all, I think that it was in January, I know, but, but certainly we started to see things happening. And um, as the weeks rolled by, we began to see um, more and more uh, announcements in the paper where you would see the HSE flagging some elderly person in a home. Oh, whippy, you know, yippy, we're getting a vaccine and they'd all be very happy. And within a few days, that person would have an RIP notice in the paper. You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, crossing the Rubicon. You know, there's lots of nursing homes in Ireland. And like, why did you decide to to sort of, did you, you took a segmentation out of in Ireland and you kind of said, Let, let's home in on this set of nursing homes. Was it because you noticed that there was the death notices and you were finding that people had passed away in these nursing homes and, and this was a trigger for yourselves then? That you're kind of yes, like, okay, it, 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 there's, I'm trying I to really get to the, to, to the very the beginning of, it, of the yeah, investigation. Well, more into the beginning of the investigation that then, you know, it's like a bit of tread. You pull it and it keeps on going and it's still going. It's still yeah, going. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's hard to put it into words, but we began to realise when we looked through the death notes that some of the homes had skyscrapers of deaths in January and February. Like you had looked at the 2020 and obviously initially in that early part of March 2020 that there had been deaths from other factors, but there'd been nothing much. And then suddenly we started to see places in Cork where I think in some in one of the homes, there was nearly 50 percent of the residents had died um, within a short time frame of the vaccine being rolled out. So what we decided to do was to look overall. It, it was a very um, protracted process because you had to look at RIP. You had to schedule it against the HSE vaccine rollouts. We had to look at the death notices. And we were really finding it something that was only just evolving and organically growing as we were doing the research. But um, some of the homes had exceptionally high death rates within a very short space time of the vaccine rollout. So we actually looked at 60, 60 HICWA homes um, and we started to actually look at the data in relation to the deaths. And very quickly, it became apparent that something wasn't right, Joe. There was something happening within these homes. And if you argue that it was a COVID-19 strain that was very virulent, how did that get into these homes altogether in January and February when they had been locked down with no access to family, the staff were PCR'd regularly, and the patients were never allowed out. I mean, there were so many questions we needed answers to, and there was nobody giving us any answers. Um, so, you know, that's how, the, that's how the whole data gathering got together and how we started to look at it. We knew we couldn't look at every home, so we decided to focus on some of the ones with the biggest death rates in them. 
but obviously that was only coming together as we were doing the work as well. So it, it evolved as we started to do the research and we began to see this pattern. Was it a case that the majority of the people that passed away had received the vaccine? That's a very difficult one to answer because obviously what we were looking at was the death rates from RIP, which the CSO had used as a reliable source against the vaccine rollouts, but short of actually ringing up a family member and saying, was your family member vaccinated? There was no way to corroborate that without being hugely intrusive. So we couldn't actually do that. But there was enough pattern and enough, um, what would I say is the word I'm using, there was just enough there to say something is wrong. You had one or two deaths maybe throughout the year, but suddenly you had 26. And I think um, there was 557 deaths between January and February 2021, which was a huge increase. Um, That's a massive amount in two months. What were the deaths prior to that for for 2020 in the nursing home? Um, you'll probably have to talk to Johnny, who's joining me here, because I don't have that in front of me just at the moment. But they were certainly way, way below um, that. I mean, you were talking about what would happen in a nursing home when you have older people with underlying conditions. Um, it's, it's normally two or three, maybe. That would be in a month. But like this was a huge rise. Now, this would be in between all the homes that we had looked at. I'm not just saying it was in one home, but like you would have homes where it had gone from one or two up to 17. Yeah, so it was a massive particular. spike. So, you yeah. know, you, we all have to look to a gut feeling as well or an intuition that if you're looking at something and, you know, there's there's a steady amount of people passing away in a month basis and then... What you're saying was that you, you noticed that the vaccines were being brought into the nursing homes and when they were brought in over these period of two months, it spiked, really and truly spiked on it. Absolutely. And that was very concerning because I think, as you say, gut instinct wise, in my aunt's own home, I had been visiting her before Christmas. There had been some allowance for visits and there had been no reference whatsoever to anybody getting sick. Um, I don't know, there could have been the odd death here and there. I, I wouldn't be in all the time. But suddenly you get this email and like you can see it's really very uh, magic. Move your aunt. And that was within a week of the conversation, the heated debate I'd had with the clinical nurse manager. And um, she has to be moved. And I just felt gut instinct. Something is seriously wrong here. We have this vaccine rollout. We have a big row about it. And now all of a sudden you have 19. It started off with 16 and then it went to 19 and five staff. It was all about the COVID-19 strain, but I just knew something did not seem right to me. And then we saw this pattern over and over again in all these homes we looked at, that around the time of the vaccine rollout, um, these deaths started to escalate and really excess deaths way above the norm than you would see in any of the months prior to the vaccine rollout. It's interesting because we spoke to you a couple of weeks ago um, when we were we were looking to run this um, the show. And we've noticed that just because you you made us aware of it, we were not aware of this because I'm not aware of it because I've no one in a nursing home. We're only aware of what's going on in our own surroundings. And by making us aware, we then noticed then as time went on that there was more stuff happening, which then we're going, oh, my God, because you planted the seed in our head. And then we were watching what was being said and watching what was going on in the HSC and then in government ministers. And even now to the stage that the coroners um, want to do an investigation on them as well, on the nursing homes. 
Um, you mentioned Johnny and Johnny is with us and Johnny works with, with yourselves. And Johnny, welcome to the show. Thanks for me. Tell us how you got involved in this and what did you look for and what was your findings? Okay, so just to give your listeners a, a brief summary of my background, um, I'm a mechanical engineer. I have quite an experience then with data analysis, uh, problem solving, and you know understanding how problems occur. At the start of the pandemic, I was like everyone else, very concerned, very worried. Um, I had no idea what was going to happen. But after a couple of months, then things seemed to stabilize and I thought we were on the track to getting back to normal and come the second lockdown where the narrative shifted from two weeks to flatten the curve to oh there's too many cases we need to lock down that really got me concerned why is the narrative changing and why do we need to get locked down again so essentially from then on uh, I became more uh, skeptical of quite a big background in data analysis and I do that in my current job so Essentially, there's vast amounts of data on the COVID-19 pandemic, which is publicly available uh, from sources like the European Centre for Disease Control, our world in data. So I started looking at this data, and um, the more I read into it, the more sceptical I became. And I mentioned to uh, one of Maeve's uh, volunteers that I had a background in data analysis. If they ever wanted any further support with that, I'd be happy to help them. I, I got involved, and... Um, I've been supporting them uh, from there, with, you know, just producing graphs. Um, I, I wrote an article that went on the Health Freedom Ireland website where we, we summarize okay. a lot of our findings. What I'm trying to narrow down here is that, you know, Health Freedom Ireland came to yourself and says, look, we have an issue. We have we smell something here. Our gut is telling us that there's a concern of a spike in deaths in the nursing homes. And you kind of, you got in, the data analysis hat went on. And you went, let me look at it. What did you find? Okay, so one of May's volunteers um, did Trojan work. She looked at a sample of 16 nursing homes and she looked at death notices that she obtained from looking at um, RIP uh, data on, on the website. And, you know, she had a rough sort of spreadsheet put together. She sent that to me and I was able to produce some graphs quite quickly of, of the data that she gathered. Um, and what I noticed quite quickly was that in the sample of 60 HICWA nursing homes that she looked at, okay, from January to December 2020, on average, there were 70 deaths a month in, in those nursing homes, okay? The worst month for deaths in 2020 was March to April 2020, i.e. the start of the pandemic or official pandemic in Ireland. And in the in that period, you had 185 deaths, okay? Now, we know that there was bad outbreaks of uh, COVID-19 in nursing homes around that period. The HSE uh, moves quite a large number of uh, sick patients back into nursing homes without testing them, and that may have seeded outbreaks, okay? But I then looked at her data for January, February 2021, and I saw that 557 deaths had occurred in that nursing home sample set. Okay, so that's a 300% increase on the very worst month of the pandemic in 2020. So, as an engineer, when we look at systems, we look at how growth happens. You know, something in normal distribution, um, which is how sort of the COVID case waves tend to work. You know, 
you'll, you'll see increases of maybe a couple of percents and day on day that adds up to the large amount of growth, you know, but normally it levels off then and, and tapers off. To see a 300% increase in essentially a single month, that's astonishing. Normally, a large change has to be introduced to a system to cause an acceleration like that. So when I've seen that, that certainly raised a massive red flag to me because, you know... Let me ask you a question. Let me just ask you a quick question. You know, have you gone back to look at, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, where a flu has got into a nursing home um, and has spiked deaths in a nursing home? Because we know this can happen, that a flu epidemic can happen in a cluster in a, in a, in a nursing home. Um, did you get a chance to look at what was, you know, what, what were you comparing this against in previous years? Um, do you want to answer that question, Maeve? Or? Uh, I suppose it's a difficult one to answer, Joe, because, you know, we were firefighting at the time with the data we had. And remember, we're all volunteers. I know there were people working with us at the time who hugely looked back at the flu um, and while there are deaths and definitely accelerated deaths around the time of flus, nothing in comparison to what had happened in January, February of 2021. I mean, there was just no correlation between any kind of a flu uh, virus in the past and what actually looked like the stats in January and February of 2021. And um, I can't give you definitive figures, but we can get those if we need them because there are there is somebody we know who yeah, has but, them. But I don't think it is, would have jumped up 300 percent, as Johnny was saying. No, it wouldn't. And I think one of the things we need to point out here, remember, we were trying to be really ahead of the posse here. We knew that in coming out with this data, there would be huge resistance to it. So we were looking to get general registrar office death certificates for all of the homes. We had put the work out to quite a few people who helped us out, amazing people as well as Johnny and other volunteers who said, look, I look at the data for you as well. Very clued in people. Um, And it was very difficult for us to do much more than that at the time, because what we wanted to do was to try as much as as possible, be really accurate, make sure that there was nothing that they, the HSE or HICWA or the Health Products Regulation Authority could come back and attack us with. So we kind of really were focusing on the data between 2020 and 21, which was really big enough in its own right anyway. But um, there are definitely people there that I can go back to about the flu seasons in previous years to see. You know, know? it's a shocking time for all the people that have lost loved ones in the nursing homes. You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, crossing the Rubicon. You wrote to the HSC as well, or did you, you you know, what was the response that you got back from them? This was the thing. I mean, we were under time pressure because we were aware that this was happening in real time, that these people were dying and that there was a huge amount of them. And it was really distressing. So I think it was on the 9th of March, we wrote to the Minister for Health. And these were registered letters, by the way. We emailed them first and then we registered them. So it was the Minister for Health, the Taoiseach, the HICWA, the HSE and the Health Products Regulatory Authority. And then following on from that, on the 11th of March, we wrote to every elected representative in the Dole and the Senate to tell them that we had concerns and that since we had written on the 9th of March, we hadn't heard anything. Um, Further to that, I did 13 separate press releases to the media explaining what had happened and our concerns. And we said, okay, we cannot say anything categorically, but we genuinely feel there's enough room here for concern. Yeah, for for an investigation, yeah. Yeah, for an investigation. It needs to be looked at in a really serious way. 
And I think I got one acknowledgement from uh, the RTE news desk. That was it. And oh, by the way, I got a response from HICWA offloading me to the Health Products Regulatory Authority. And just recently, and remember this was March um, of 2021, I just recently got a letter from the HPRA basically saying it was underlying conditions that kill these old people and can happen and not to worry about it. But I mean, there was no logic to that reply. It's like a generic, it's, it's, you know, it's a generic reply. It's a cut and paste. Yeah. Yeah, And I'm sure you were, what was going through your mind was you were going, oh my God, we found something here. There's a spike in the deaths of 300%. There's over, over in two month period, Johnny, did you say over two month period, there was over 500 deaths, you know, and, you know, and you're looking at this and you're going, oh my God, could there be more deaths? And you're screaming out. And did any politician, did any TDs, did any one of them respond back to your registered letters or get back to you? Um, I, I'm just trying to think here, Was uh, did Mick Barry come back to me? And I think some of the, the TDs came back. But again, it was very much as if they had got these, they were aware that there was something not right, but they'd gone to the Health Products Regulatory Authority. They'd got a cut and paste, which seemed to be sort of a standard response to all to our letters. There was really nothing there that showed any legitimate interest in really looking at this. Um, and, and in fact, you know, I also contacted papers outside of Ireland um, publications that I looked at, like the New York Post. I tried to send it out something in, in my chain. Our media here into doing something, but nothing back either. Nothing on it. Um, so, it, it, you know, look, Joe, I'm so disappointed. We all were so disappointed because, you know, you've worked on something so hard. Your feeling is there's something serious here that needs to be looked at. And there was just really abominable response. It, even if they felt there was nothing there, there was enough, I feel, cause for concern. And even using logic, forget about the science, just looking at it logically. Um, there should have been somebody saying there's something not right here. and um, Something needs to be looked at. Johnny, we've just got a couple of minutes left. Do you want to share something with us before um, we wrap up? Uh, yeah, well, I could talk uh, in a lot of detail about uh, quite a lot of this, but like one thing I can mention for your listeners, um, although we looked at a sample of 60 nursing homes, we also looked at the worst case nursing homes uh, in greater detail. And we performed a little exercise just to try and validate then the data that we obtained from RIP.ie because although RIP.ie is generally believable and it, it does have quite high usage now, uh, it's not official data, if that makes sense. Um, so we looked at one particular nursing home. Um, we noticed that looking through the records, because again, our volunteer looked at, at, at the records for this nursing home trip, all of 2020 and then 2021. In this nursing home, there was nine deaths in 2020. Okay. So essentially, uh, RIP that notices that mentions that the resident was in that nursing home. There was nine death notices on RIP for this nursing home through 2020. Okay. In January to February of 2021, there was 15 death notices for this nursing home. So I actually requested um, death certificates for the names of those 15 people. Uh, from the GRO. I was able to obtain six of those uh, death records from the GRO. 
uh, it's possible that uh, I'd be able to obtain more of them now because there can be a bit of a lag between uh, that securing and then being registered with the uh, general register registrar's office. Excuse me. I looked then at the actual content of all these um, death certificates, right? And an interesting thing was that five out of six of these death certificates stated died of COVID-19 pneumonia, okay? Now, we know for this particular nursing home that the scheduled vaccination date was the 20th of January, 2021. Most of these death notices were registered roughly around the 26th of February, okay? Now, one of the vaccines which is approved uh, for use in Europe, uh, Ireland and the UK and the United States is commonly touted in the media as being 95% effective, okay? So, but logically, that means 5% of cases then that vaccine would not be effective at reducing severe symptoms, which would mean that you would expect maybe 1 in 20 people to get a severe symptoms um, after contracting COVID. So the question I'd have to ask is, well, if five out of six then people are dying and yet have severe COVID on their death certificate, despite perhaps being vaccinated, that suggests that if they receive that vaccine, it certainly is not 95% effective, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, looking at it, you know, we can look at, you know, the political, we can look at the science, and then we can look at the data. And what order are these being uh, pushed upon us? I think, it's, you know, in my own gut feeling, it's a political first and then it's science and then it's the data later down the road where it, you know, the political end should be number three and it should be then the science and then the data and looking at them. And, you know, I don't want people who are listening to this go anti-vaxxing or whatever. It's not about anti-vaxxing. For, this is about a spike in deaths in the nursing homes. And that spike is quite concerning. And looking at the data that you, that you gave us as well prior, it's actually worrying. And this is what this is about. This is just trying to make people aware that there's been a spike in the nursing homes. And we would really like answers really and truly like answers instead of a generic push under the table. Oh, look, this happens or whatever, that someone somewhere should start to look at doing an investigation on this because look at history with ourselves and history with ourselves. Look at the mangan laundries, you know, how, you know, for, for right up to, I think, the 80s when, you know, they were closed. People knew what was going on and we only found out later on. And I think we need to find out now instead of finding out a year or two years down the road when it's too late and we could have said we could have done something if we knew. And the thing is, people know. People know and they need to look into it deeper on it. Maeve, what would you like to wrap up with? I suppose my, my thing would be is we locked down society, Joe, and the idea was we were protecting the elderly and the vulnerable. And I don't think we have done that at all. I think we have failed them abysmally. If you look at what happened in March and April, when they moved sick, infectious people into the homes, you had a massive spike in deaths. And that was because there was no PPE equipment and uh, staff. It was, it was mayhem. And then we did exactly the same. Whatever went on in January and February, um, and these old people all passed away after these vaccines. I can't say that definitively. I'm not sure anybody can. But 
there's enough here for us to be asking serious questions. And if we truly believe that we have actually set out to protect the vulnerable and the elderly, well, then these questions need to be investigated and answers need to be given. So I really feel very strongly about that. I'm going to ask you one more thing. I'll ask both of you. What's next? What's next in, in your pursuit for answers? Well, I mean, one is thank you, Joe, for giving us the opportunity to get it out into the public domain. Um, I think one of the things we've done this week is we've written to Age Action because we're going to see if perhaps they would take this on and, and look into it. Because obviously, as a group who advocate for the care and the well-being of the elderly, I think it's important that they know that something like this is going on. I mean, there is the alternative is, and I know some others who've been involved in this, is actually report this to the guards. But I don't know whether that's something that would be efficacious you know, as to be something that we would perceive perhaps needing criminal investigation. That's a big step to take. But, you know, if you feel passionately about something or if it's your mother or your father and there's any questions, I think people probably would feel that might have to be the case if we want to actually get some real leverage here. So I don't know. Other than that, I think we just have to keep uh, chipping away. I mean, look how long it took for the the mother and baby homes to, to actually break the truth. And even now, like the records are locked away again. And I don't think that should happen, Joe. This really shouldn't happen. This is not going to be pushed under the rugs. As far as we're concerned, we're going to advocate and do everything we can to try and bring it into the public domain so that this can be looked at and we can see what really happened here in these homes. Definitely. And Johnny, yourself? Yeah, so really where I'm at is, um, you know, I'm still working full time as an engineer. You know, I'm doing this stuff in my spare time, really. Um, you know, fully behind any decisions that Alfred in Ireland and, and may want to make. So if they ever require further uh, data analysis from me again, I'll certainly be fully behind them. Um, and, and really, you know, again, I fully agree with Maeve. All we can do is just try our best, you know, and be able to look ourselves in the mirror and say that we try to give a voice for those um, who were most vulnerable in, in our society. And and, and, and we try to, to, to shout to authority that, you know, to call them up on, 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 on what we believe are their failings, you know. And yeah, I suppose it just, it does upset me the fact that like I'm in my spare time, I'm doing things which really our media and our civil service should be doing. And, you know, I, I think it really, it, it shows a poor state that our, our democracy and our society is really in the fact that essentially volunteers like us are, have to stand up to the Leviathan state that have imposed all this on us, you know. The fact that we've been locked down on the basis of trying to protect the most vulnerable, and yet 50% of our deaths are happening in nursing homes, you know, just really upsets me. Well, we've noticed that the majority of people who are who are passing away are actually in hospital or in nursing homes. And also, if you look at the de- really look at the data, you can see it's, you know, the, it's over the age of 80, 85 as well. So, look, as I say to everyone, just this is not about, you know, anti-vax. This is about people who, you know, a spike in deaths in the nursing homes. And it, it needs to be looked at very closely. You know, this isn't just something normal. And we know that a pandemic isn't. But, you know, we're asking our, our, our elected officials uh, to look at this. And we know that the coroners as well have raised an eyebrow. So I think this is a story definitely worth following and watching. Um, and we'll go from there. Last one, Maeve, if people want to read any of your information on your website, uh, where can we get that? 
uh, go to www.healthfreedomireland.com um, and you'll be able to get in there and see. We have quite a lot of resources and tools and that. And um, we're also very grateful for any donations, Joe, that people could give to Health Freedom Ireland. We're all volunteers and everything is funded through donations. Nobody takes a salary. We're all busy, busy people, mums, um, dads, people working full time. So you can imagine um, it, 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 nobody would get anything out of it. It's all plowed back into the organisation. So we would be very grateful if people would help out. That would be great. Johnny, last 30 seconds. I don't think I'll get it across 30 seconds. So I just, if I could make one final point, right? Our ICU, in, in our fourth wave, right, which prompted the this lockdown now, right? Um, our ICU loading, i.e. number of people in, ICU with COVID-19, that peaked on the 23rd of January with 221 patients, right? And it declined by 87 to 134 patients on the 28th of February, okay? At the same time, okay, you had 2,020 patients in hospital on the 18th of January. That was a peak of COVID-19 hospitalizations this year. And it declined to 554 patients by the 28th of February, okay? Now, if you add that up, even if all those people died, okay, which we know didn't happen, that would be 1,553 deaths, okay? Now, during that same period, the publicly available data shows that 2,251 people died of COVID, according to official figures. So that implies that 467 deaths occurred outside the hospital system, at the very least. So we're locking down to protect our hospital capacity and our ICU capacity, and yet almost a quarter of the deaths are happening outside the hospital system. We're just looking for answers. Why? As I say, lockdown doesn't work. You know, it's doing more damage. Um, and, you know, the stuff is happening inside the nursing homes and the hospitals. Look, guys, we've run out of time. I'd like to thank both of you for coming on. And we'll uh, look best of luck what you're doing. And we'll follow this closely at the station as well. Thank you. And remember, here at Dublin South FM, we're interviewing plenty of people around the world, conscious leaders, and that's why we have the Conscious Business Podcast, which is part of the Conscious Business Academy, offering purpose, profit, and prosperity in your life through soulful selling, mindful marketing, conscious leadership, and creative culture. If you want to reach out to me, it's joedalton.ie. You have an awesome week, and take care and look after yourself.